all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco, January 19th today. Holy cats. <laughs> and uh, hey, warmest January ever. Anything on record, this is the warmest January we've ever had. Holy cats. <laughs> and uh, you may have seen me yesterday. I was on the uh, King 5 Take 5 news that's a four o'clock news show, and uh, it's a lot of fun to go on there. Um, somebody had sent in a picture of a cherry tree in full bloom, and they're going, what's going on? Is this because of the weather? Well, that cherry tree is a prunus uh, subertilla, and then it's um, autumn nullis. And autumn nullis cherries bloom in the middle of winter. So, no, no, they're not all going to start blooming right now. But I think if this keeps going, a lot of plants are going to bloom out of sequence. I brought in one branch of a uh, uh, an azalea that was in just full bloom, you know. And it, that, the plants are getting confused because we're getting, you know, we had some cold weather. Now we're getting this unbelievably warm weather. And some of the plants are going, it's spring. And if we got a freeze when they're in full bloom, it's just going to kill all the flowers. It won't kill your plant unless it's something really tender and starts to grow. That'd be a different story. But uh, but if your plant blooms now, enjoy it because you're not going to see anything out in spring. It's going to do its thing, you know, so uh, be prepared for that. So uh, I spent a week at the ocean down on the Oregon coast. I had so much fun taking Izzy down there. It was unbelievable. Just so fun. It's We stay in a hotel where everybody brings their dogs. And I swear, I've seen as many as 20 dogs running around that hotel at times. Not this trip. I'd say there were 12 most of the time when I was out there. And I'll never forget one day I'm sitting on a bench out there and there was about 20 dogs staying at the hotel. And this guy sitting there, he comes, sits next to me on the bench. I'm waiting for Mary to bring out, this was back when we had Fred and Ruby. And uh, <clears throat> something starts kind of like thumping under the guy's uh, coat. His coat's kind of going thump, thump, thump. And I go, uh, what do you got under your coat? <clears throat> he opens up his coat. He's got a rabbit in there. <laughs> I would, don't let my dog see that. That guy was there for four days with that rabbit. That rabbit probably needed to go to an animal shrink at the end of that trip. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, but anyway, we're back, and we had a great time. But uh, I did catch a little cold because I fell in a stream I was trying to cross <laughs> That's another story. But something really funny happened. I have to share it. I happened this morning. So uh, you know that if, you know, I'm married to a Canadian. And Canadians, a lot of them, I can't say all of them, hate the clothes dryer and insist on drying all your clothes, sheets, towels, everything on a clothesline. And uh, so she... Already had the whole clothesline covered this morning because she heard it wasn't going to rain today or something, which is crazy because I don't know how anything's going to dry out there. And uh, we're both sitting in the house, and uh, Mary Izzy had been outside, and she comes in, and she's like tiptoeing past us so we don't see her. 
Mary goes, does she have something? I ran over to see. She had two pairs of Mary's underwear. <laughs> Evidently, the wind blew them off the line or something, so she was going to sneak in and have fun chewing those up. <laughs> Luckily, we caught her just in time. She literally did tiptoe past us with those. That little rascal. Oh, la, la. All right. Hey, listen, I am uh, flying solo today, so I'll be doing my best to answer your garden questions. It's one triple eight nine seven three Cairo, one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six. I do want to uh, make a few quick announcements. So tomorrow is the Northwest Perennial Alliance uh, big um, Promise of Spring event. Starts at ten thirty, goes to two thirty. It only costs fifteen bucks if you're not a NPA member, so you can go. It's at the BBG, the Bellevue Botanical Garden. At 10.30 to 11.30, they're having a plant sale of hellbores and other winter bloomers. At 11.30, 11.20, they do all these door prizes. 11.30 to 12.30, a couple of people are going to give a talk, uh, the highlights of the open gardens of the NPA, because NPA all summer has open gardens you can go to see. And uh, they're always really great. I, it doesn't cost hardly anything to go see them. Uh, NPA is a great organization, in my humble opinion. They have the plant study weekend. It's going to be in Oregon this year, and I, I try to go to those every year. They're really fun. You go to see all these gardens down there. So anyway, um, and then at 1 o'clock, they're going to have the Salutation Garden and that is by a guy named Steve Edney. He's a famous uh, English gardener that they brought over to give this talk about the garden where he's the head gardener at a salutation garden in England. So this should be really fun. So um, if you're not doing something tomorrow, it'd be a, a good thing to do for only 15 bucks. Free, of course, if you're an NPA member. Don't forget that Tacoma Home and Garden Show. That's starting January 24th, goes through the 27th, and a couple of my good buddies are giving talks there. Marianne Bonetti will be there speaking. She's speaking more than one day. Uh, You can go to their website. There's a link uh, right on the, let's see, is that on the front page of Cisco? Uh, I'm not seeing it. So you got to go to events, and then you can hit the link in there. And that'll uh, put you right through to the Tacoma Home and Garden Show and see when Marianne Bonetti's speaking and my buddy Sue Getz. They're two really great speakers. Sunday, February 24th, over at the Bellevue Botanical Garden at 1 p.m., the Queen's Gardener, John Anderson. He is actually the Queen's Gardener in uh, England. So, uh, uh Queen Elizabeth there. I think that's the one it is right now. <laughs> I've never met her personally, you know. But uh, he's her uh, main gardener there. He's the head gardener for the queen. And so it'll be a lot of fun to hear his talk. I'm going to be uh, down in France for that, so I won't be here, but I'd be there in a shot if I could. There is a charge for that. So um, uh, there's a link uh, in events in Cisco. You can go to that and find out uh, all about uh, how to get a ticket, what it's going to cost, and all of that. And then, of course, 
the big one, the Northwest Flower and Garden Festival, is coming up February 20th through the 24th. I'm going to be there on the uh, Friday of the show. That's February 22nd. I'll be there all day doing stuff. I'm in Container Arts, and I'm doing Garden Jeopardy. I'm I'm going to be to Alex for that. That should be a lot of fun. That'll be at 4.30. So uh, anyway, don't you ever hesitate to uh, say hi to me when you see me, okay? <laughs> I much appreciate that. Okay. And I do have some emails with me if I don't get any calls from you guys. I'll give you the number again in about one second. I just, uh, there was one last thing I wanted to tell you quick, and that's, I always tell you what the local nurseries are doing, but I don't always tell you what uh, farther away. So over in Olympia, the barn nursery on February 10th and February 17th, are going to do a a big pruning series. Starts in the morning with beginner pruning, and late in the day they have uh, advanced uh, pruning. There's a link in uh, in Cisco to the barn nursery in Olympia. And also, I just noticed Christensen's Nursery up there in Mount Vernon. On uh, February 9th, they're going to have a pruning fruit talk at 11 a.m. So lots of good stuff going on. All right, let me give you the number one more time, then we'll take a break. one 973 Cairo, right back on 97.3 Cairo FM. All right, hey, we're going to go to Stanwood to get things started today. Ron, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, thank you very much. Um, uh, First-time caller, long-time listener. You're awesome. <laughs> cool. Hey, I'm glad you called. Thanks. Yeah. So my question today is, I've got, um, I don't know the difference between a mole and a vole, V-O-L-E. Yeah. And I've got huge mounds in my yard, and um, I don't know how to get rid of them. Okay. My guess is that you've got moles. So a mole, you know, they can get they can get almost six inches long. They're big. And they plow okay. underground. They they can uh, excavate tunnels so fast you wouldn't believe it. And when they get too much dirt built up, they push it up into a giant mound. And that's what you're okay. seeing. Now, voles are field mice. And if you have field mice, you're going to see plants disappear, you know, uh, perennials get eaten up, veggies get eaten up. Oh, okay. They're horrible because they're mice, and they built up to unbelievable numbers. Sometimes oh, okay. you can have both. So moles, only one mole uses a tunnel usually, but voles will get in those tunnels, run underground, and eat the roots of any plants that the mole dug a tunnel by. But if you're not seeing a lot of plants die— but you're seeing lots of those little mounds. My guess is you've got moles. Now, okay, all right. Now, getting rid of them is not the easiest thing there ever was. But, oh, I know. So here, 
here, I know. Here's the first suggestion I'm going to give you. Uh, don't stamp okay. those. Don't stamp those. Ho- those little hills back down. Instead, okay. rake them. Rake them out. Take out a rake and just rake them out so that the ground's level over where okay. the hole is, and they'll quit pushing the soil up really quick. They only do that. Oh, if, okay. Yeah, if you push the soil back down, they push it back up, and it's an endless problem. So if you just rake it out. Then you're not going to notice the moles so much. Now, if they're still oh, causing, yeah, it works pretty good to do that. And I know people who live with them. The problem is, the main mole runs are down there six inches or more deep in the ground, but moles right. also do feeder runs that are just under the soil surface. And when they do that, the ground could kind of collapse when you step on one of those runs. That's exactly what it's doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So at least you know you got moles. So I. Uh, yeah. So what? What's happened too is because of those mole holes uh-huh. near my house, they've um, they've act the uh, rodents. I did recently call a pest control service. Rodents have been using them. You may have both. You might have both. You probably have. You probably have some rats around. You know, we all got them. Don't be embarrassed. Right. And I, you know. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I, I've got I've got a good little wiener dog that likes oh. to capture them. <laughs> good. <laughs> hey, nothing better than a wiener dog to catch the bad guys. You know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> oh, too great. Oh. Well, here's what I think. You know. Um. You. You know. It's illegal to trap moles. You can't even hire right. someone to do it. So you have to rely on one of the folk remedies to catch. Now, you okay. co- you can set up traps. They sell them in the stores. And if you go to Cisco.com, go to gardening, then go to topics, You will. F- I wrote a book about how to catch moles using traps. So if you want to risk it, but you'll get a fine if someone turns you in. So you got to do it in secret, you know. Just don't brag about it. <laughs> okay. uh, I love that. Oh, that's, yeah. That's a, hey, can I, can I give a shout-out? Ooh, la, la. All right. <laughs> All right. That is good. You did that quite well, by the way. So Well, yeah, I, I listen to you a lot. Oh, uh, <laughs> But you could use my so. uh, mint mole blaster recipe too, and it's oh, uh, okay. And that's in Cisco dot com. You can get it out of there, and you make okay. you, you make this mint. You take two handfuls of mint stems and leaves, have to be pliable. Put it in a blender with some water, blend it up, and then uh, stick it stick that in a big soup bowl, a big soup pan, half full of water, get it to a boil, simmer for 30 minutes, and then you can dilute that to make six gallons of mole blaster. And everywhere you see moles are working, you uh, put it in your watering can and try and squirt it right into the mole runs, you know, through where they're pushing up the dirt. And uh, almost everyone that does this writes me and tells me the moles pack up their bags and move to your next door neighbor's garden. So <laughs> Oh cool. <laughs> but but you gotta do I mean, it not so cool 
Not so cool for the neighbors. Not so cool for the neighbors. But uh, the problem uh, is they do come back, and you have to do it over and over again. So there's there's no easy well, answer well, to this. Well, Cisco, I do appreciate you uh, taking my call and uh, and uh, and uh, talking about this and giving me an avenue on which way to go to try and get rid of them because it's, it's out of control. All right, Ron. One last thing. If you can find the yes, main sir. runs, go to my website and learn how to find the okay. main runs. And if you set up the traps and you start catching them, there's only one mole per main run, but you can have five or six main runs in your yard. So um, yeah, I have, a, I have a huge front yard, and we're uh, like in the country, so oh, yeah. they're just tearing it up. Well, that's yeah. see, that's what farmers do. They leave those traps set up in the same place year-round. And I've talked to farmers that catch 30 moles a season or more. So Wow. Yeah, once you know where the runs are, you could just leave the trap set up, and you just keep catching them when they try and come through. And you can really Wonderful. get rid of the problem. So. Well, thank you, Cisco. I really appreciate it. And hey. I hope you have a great Saturday. Hey, thanks, Ron, and thanks for making your first big call. That's pretty cool. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't figure out whether to call you or Dory. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, listen, you take care, All right. okay? All right. Thank Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey. All right. And, Jenny, we're going to get you after the break. we got to take a break right now. But uh, when we come back on 97.3 Cairo FM, we'll pop you right on the air. So right back after this. Understand. Hey, we're going to go to Jenny now in Seattle. Hey, Jenny, thanks for hanging on for us. Hi, Cisco. I'm from North Seattle. Well, hi. Welcome. Yeah, and I have two questions for you today. One relates to a large 100-foot spruce tree that I have in my backyard along the property line. Uh And the um, Deodora cedar next to it. Half of it came down in one of those windstorms. I think it was December 20th around here. Oh, okay. And it filled up my neighbor's yard and leaned up partially against his roof. And I'm kind of concerned about the tall spruce, and especially where it's located. If I chose to, and for a variety of reasons, want to take that down, do I need to get a City of Seattle permit? Yes. Yeah, you got to get a. You'll have to get a permit because even on your own property, if you're in the city of Seattle, you, it's all it's all determined by the size of the tree. And it sounds like your tree is definitely above the uh, level where you have to get a permit. But okay. I think you know with the problems you had and everything, I think it won't be too hard to get that permit. So I think you'll be able to take that tree down. Spruce trees, you know, is your spruce, has it dropped a lot of its lower branches? Yes, and I have had arborists take a look at both the trees of the last few years to kind of be trimming them and watching them because they're so large. I just worry about the neighbors in our house. Yeah, well. And it's dropping a lot of sap constantly. I don't know if that's. 
It could be normal. Yeah, it could have borders in it. Uh, You know, spruce trees, when they get tall and they only have branches up near the top, what happens is that they get kind of um, fragile is not the right word, but they can break. And uh, at Seattle University, we had a couple of spruces in big windstorms that snapped right in half. Sounded like a cannon went off, according to the students in one of their dorms. So I think, you know, I think uh, contact the city, find out what what the requirements are. I don't think you're going to have to have uh, Arborist come write a letter or anything like that. I think they may even send someone out. And uh, then if they said, no, no, you can't, you know, you can't take that out, then you could go the route of having an Arborist write a letter if you had to. But I think any arborist would write you. I was a certified arborist for years, and in a situation like that, I'm sure I'd be writing a letter saying, hey, this thing is a possible hazard, has to come out. Okay, thank you. In fact, I'm having the arborist come back to look at the one that split partially in half to make sure that one still looks okay, and then take a look at that large yeah so have him write a little letter that would be a good thing to have yeah okay thank you and i have a second quick question so i didn't get all of my perennial pruning done this fall so i got a few plants out there that are you know like mums that i never cut down should i wait to cut those down due to the strange weather we're having well that's a great question but I, you know, I don't think cutting down almost any kind of perennial ever makes it break dormancy and start to grow. The interesting okay. thing, though, is that uh, I don't know how accurate these studies are or anything, but I have read some studies that they say in our climate that mums do a little better if you wait to cut them down till spring. Oh. Yeah, which is interesting. and. I've done both ways, and my mums came back anyway. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you might just to be safe, you know, want to wait a little bit on cutting those down. Okay, maybe I should focus on cleaning up all the debris from the windstorm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know, my my rule of thumb is if something really looks horrible, I cut it down. And also, if anything's okay. turned into slime, I try and get it out of there. The minute I see that, because otherwise you got to deal with it, deal with those things like hostas when they get all slimy. Wow! Right. <laughs> oh, they're so I horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had an elephant ear plant that survived last winter. Wow! And started uh, springing up like five new ones oh. in the spring, and I was going to dig it out of the thinking it was dead until I started seeing those, and so I left it. Oh, cool. Maybe I'll be successful this year, too, because it hasn't been too cold. Yeah. But the slimy stuff's starting, so I should go trim those back. Yeah, trim anything that's slimy on that. You know, the other thing you could do, if it's putting out new growth, you don't want to cover that because, you know, if you yeah. put anything over it, that could kill it. But um, And if it does grow, you'll get you will have a beautiful colocasia in no time. So, uh, but if if you have to cut everything down, I would put some fern fronds over that. It'll keep it from oh. getting watered. Uh, fern fronds repel water, 
and they're a great okay. insulator too. So by putting about you know six inch deep front fronds over that, just make sure you get them off the minute things start warming up in spring, and it might just burst into great growth then. That sounds fabulous. I think I'm going to get out there after your show, and I, I'll look forward to seeing you at the garden show in Seattle this year. Hey, great. Say hi to me for sure. Oh, I will. You and I have met in the past, and I just am looking forward to the show. Again, I'm kind of a, um, oh, I just follow the show usually there every day, mainly like the seminars. So it's oh, great yeah. that you guys get all that put on and. We'll oh, see yeah. you in about a month. All right, great. I, hey, I can't wait to see you. That'll be fun. You, yeah, you got to tell me, hey, I'm that Kyle Ocasio woman. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> I will. I'll try to pronounce that. Okay. Hey, great. Thanks, okay. Right, take care. All right, bye-bye. Uh, all right, hey, we don't have any phone calls, so we'll take a break. Ah, uh, looks like somebody's just calling in. So good. We'll have a caller for... Uh, the next section, so, uh, but if you want to call in, I don't know how much time we'll have. one 973 cairo one 973 We'll probably limit how many calls we can take because we're, you know, we don't want uh, somebody waiting and not getting on. All right, right back. The best, uh, best gardening show in the whole universe. <laughs> and I, I never exaggerate. 97.3 Cairo FM. All right, and Debbie made it under the wire to get in to ask her question. Hi, oh. Debbie, and thanks for calling. Thank you. I um I do have a. I know you're not going to believe this. I have. I live in Wallingford in Seattle, and I have some very large trees that make my yard. Um, lately, it's been so shaded, and it doesn't get a lot of water. So I was wondering if you had some ideas for like um, some kind of ground cover that would accept shade and very little water, or if you have like some kind of landscaper that could, um, that's really good in kind of a, a landscaping that has, uh, requires very little water and shade. Yeah, you know, that's tricky. That's the hardest kind of gardening there is, dry shade. And uh, now there's a couple of things you could do. One, you can have people limb up your trees a little bit. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's amazing how much more light gets in. But either way, those trees are taking every sip of water. So I'll give you a list of some cool plants that you can grow. But even those, you're going to have to water them for a while. Then once they're established, I don't think you'll have to water them too much. So uh, here's a ground cover that I really like. And it can be too aggressive out in brighter light. But in dry shade, it does pretty darn well, and it behaves itself <laughs> at least a little, you know. So it's called Van- <laughs> Vancouveria. And Vancouveria, it's named after uh, Captain Vancouver, who came to our area. So it's native to Washington, and it grows up in the woods, uh, you know, in the lower mountains. 
So it's a nice, tough plant. It has a white flower, and it only gets about six inches tall. And uh, now, it's not always the easiest ground cover to find, but if you go to a nursery that specializes in native plants, then you'll find okay. it right away. So, Super. Yeah, that's one. Now, there's another ground cover that uh, actually comes more from China and overseas, but it's called Epimedium or Bishop's Cap. And uh, okay. now there's about eight billion different kinds of bishop cap you can buy but there's one called rubrum that is just a rock of gibraltar and if nothing else survives that one almost always does great and it's kind of neat because it it has yellow flowers even though rubrum means red but the thing Uh is the leaves turn red in the winter time has these it has kind of long stems and then kind of heart-shaped leaves on the top of the stem and the leaves turn bright red in the winter it's real pretty then what you do if you want to you go out and you cut them down in about, in about mid-February and all these really pretty yellow flowers that look like a bishop cap come up okay and you can always try different varieties they have some that get bigger I have one kind of epimedium that gets six feet tall in my garden. I can't remember what the heck the name of that one is. but um, And then there, I have some that only get six inches tall or less. So you can, uh, you know, see what you could find and experiment, put little clumps in. But again, make sure it gets water when you plant them. Okay. And here's a great plant. And, you know, we see these up in the dark mountains when we're hiking all the time, it's our native trillium, trillium ovatum. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous plant, and uh, it can take dry shade. The only thing is, if it doesn't get any water, it doesn't last long each season. So it'll come up in the spring when it's rainy and everything. It'll do its thing with its beautiful flowers that start white and then turn pink. But if it doesn't get any water and it's really dry, it'll go dormant right away again. But if you water it a little, it'll last longer. So that's a good one. And then I'm going to give you the King Kong, the big guy that you could put in there. (laughs) And this is one of the most drought-tolerant plants I've ever met. It's called Aucuba. It's A-U-C-U-B-A. Alcuba japonica, so it comes from Japan, but there's a whole lot of different ones, and the one I just love is called Picturata, like a pitcher, Picturata. And what it does, it's, it's dark green leaves with this bright yellow. It looks like someone took a, a paintbrush with bright yellow paint on it and just uh, kind of flicked it. At the plant, you get big streaks of yellow. You get spots. Oh, it's gorgeous. And you could prune it to whatever height you want, but if you don't prune it, it'll eventually get six feet tall. So it's a good one. That's not what I want. (laughs) want uh, Those are some great ideas. Great. Yeah, you really like those, and they'll be beautiful in your garden, and it'll... And, you know, that picturata really glows in a dark spot, so it'll lighten it up. And uh, you'll have fun with this. And, 
And by the way, there's other trulliums you could try too. So look around for uh, chloropetalum, and there's uh, other ones that get bigger with red flowers. So keep experimenting. Okay, and best time, best time to um, plant would be in the spring. Though. Yeah, those bloom in the spring. There's not much that bloom in the fall. Okay, well, listen, I have to run, Debbie, but I hope that helped. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks a lot for calling. Glad you got in. See ya. Bye-bye. Okay, all right, this show is biting a bullet here for sure. So, hey, I certainly appreciate everybody calling in and, of course, everybody listening. That makes it a lot more fun for me to do the show. (laughs) Hey, so don't forget, lots of big stuff, the Tacoma Flower and Garden Show coming up. The big Northwest Flower and Garden Show. And uh, I really mean it when I say I love it when people come say hello to me. So I hope you'll uh, do that whenever you see me. I love getting my picture taken with people. But it could break your uh, phone or camera. You have to be aware of that. (laughs) Okay, listen, don't forget to take your puppy for a walk. It might be kind of a nice day today. Enjoy this unbelievable warm winter we're getting. Brian, thank you so much as always. Hey, stay tuned for the dog and cat show. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.